They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Yeah, sorry that we haven't got a new voiceover on the intro for you tonight, but uh, I'm sure as you're aware, Somerset uh, unsuccessful in their bid to capture their second uh, T20 Blast title. Uh, my name's Ian Shepherd. You're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket <coughs> Podcast. Joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And well... What do we make of finals day? Lightning couldn't strike twice after that incredible comeback in the semi-final. Uh, we just didn't have enough in the tank to get over the line, chasing 168 in the final against Kent. Dan, uh, I suppose we'll start with you being there live in the crowd. Uh, should we start with the semi-final? There was a picture of poor old Andy Cleave on Sky Sports. Really? <laughs> looking like, <Yeah. laughs> just looking like he just... oh. Utterly depressed, and then all of a sudden, boom, from 103 for seven with about three overs to go, needing about 50 of 3.2 overs. Old Ben Green underestimates him at your peril. Yeah, I haven't fully comprehended that match yet, I don't think, because I haven't watched it back. Like, experiencing it in the crowd, it was was beyond belief, really. It was just, cricket was just warped almost in his last few overs. Just, I couldn't believe what was happening. Um, I mean, so going back to the start though, so clearly early on there was something in the pitch. You know, we got you know we Craig dropped Vince, which is a big moment, but thankfully we got him quite quickly after that. Um, and you know, Goldsworthy I thought was really impressive in the middle overs. He bowled really economically. You know, he spent nineteen maybe off his off his four overs. Um, and then it was the death bowling, obviously that let us down a bit. Um, obviously, Delang went for quite a few. Delang's first two overs were really good. He only went for about nine, I think, in those first two. Um, but it was his last two, which sort of let us down a bit. But, you know, it always looked a chaseable score um, until, obviously, we were 34 for five. But I never felt we were totally out of it. Um, I, well, at that point, at least, because I knew we had, you know, we had Abel. Abel was big, and Abel stayed in, obviously got to his 50. But then when it was Abel got out, that was when it felt like the game was pretty much gone. But, you know, yeah, as you said, don't underestimate Ben Green, who's having a really good summer. Um, and... Yeah, you know, he hit a couple of sixes and he sort of maybe us thinking, oh, it might be a, we're going down fighting at least, you know. Um, but it just kept going. And even when Green got out, obviously Craig hit a six. Yeah. Josh obviously hit a four and a six, then a four to finish it. I mean, in the crowd, it was just unbelievable, you know, going from utter despair and then to, to win that game with two balls to spare, having needed, was it 48 from the last three overs or so? Something like that, yeah. The only... It was just ridiculous. And yeah, the, the emotion came out, I think, from all the Somerset fans, you know, after that win, because, Christ, it was... <laughs> and it was, yeah, there's, that's it, really. There's, there's no words really to describe that finish. And it's just a shame we couldn't follow it up in the final. Yeah, the only other time I felt like that watching a cricket match was the World Cup final a couple of years ago, just sheer nerves on the edge of your seat and then all of a sudden it just popped it, it was just down to 12 or 8 balls on the screen you're like oh it's still yeah. tricky but we can still win this can't we Steve what and did you make then of Josh it? Hit, Josh hits the 6 and all of a sudden you're like yeah okay that's that's pretty much it done now you know it was 
I think for me, it was such a contrast because the last four overs of the Hampshire innings were as big a downer because we totally controlled that innings. Bowled really well, bowled sensibly. And then, you know, after all the trials and tribulations we had exactly this time last year, funnily enough, because it was the game at Bristol where we threw away the qualification with a bad last over. I, what I couldn't get my head around was Ben Green and Craig Overton had overs left. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, surely just the simple logic of you change it up so that the batsman gets a look at a different bowler. But it was just more of the same from Marchant, I'm afraid. Um, and I, I was, it was weird because almost after the semi-final, for the rest of the afternoon, I was like, we've done it now that's fine we're in the final and i just wonder whether the players were on such a high that they found it quite hard to get back up for the final because Mm -hmm. it was the first innings of the final was a carbon copy i think dan will correct me but i think hampshire got 51 off the last four overs kent got 56 or jordan cox got 56 off the last four overs of the kent innings and it was just like you know, the definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing over and over again with the same bad result. And it was A, a to pick Martin in the final, I think, was a mistake when we had Max and Jack Leach available. And obviously it was going to spin more. But B, I don't think he's confident. You know, I wouldn't have wanted to have bowled the death overs after having gone for 50 odd. And to be honest, at the halfway point, I, that was it. I was done. I was. I thought, you know, very rare do I give up, but I thought this is, this is not going to happen. And Are you talking about did. the innings break or the halfway point of the the run chase? The inning, the innings break. The, you did, you the didn't Kent, the Kent innings. I didn't. I just didn't think. I, I upset a few people on social media by saying it's a poor Kent side. I stand by that, and what I mean by that is. They are not anywhere near the great Kent sides of the seventies or the nineties. And when you look at them, I don't think there's many players in that side. I'd go, oh, I'll have them in the Somerset side. We'll have him in the Somerset side. With two not great leggies. But, you know, the minute Denley got Banton with that stumping early on, I thought, hmm, yeah, it's not, it's not looking great. It just, to me, it was a, a huge opportunity missed. And, and just all kinds of reasons. I'm just... I'm a really bad loser when it comes to Kent, I'm afraid. I can't help it. hate losing to them. hate losing to them with a passion. Suffered too much. Had enough of it now. You know, it, it just shows, in a way, what a ridiculous format T20 is. Because you know, they're, they're a Division 3 side and we're a Division 1 side. And I know people say, well, we're not very well at the moment. We are. And in that format, it just made no difference. What's what's the the thing? I heard I was listening to the baseball podcast this morning, and they were talking. It's the same stage of the season, the playoffs now, where teams are getting in or getting out of the postseason. And they did this thing: which supporters are going to be heading down Bitter Boulevard come the end of this way? Well, I'll tell you what: I had my camper van securely parked on Bitter Boulevard all over the weekend after that. <laughs> well, I suppose it did go to form because Kent topped the South Group. All the South yep. Group teams went through. And then Kent were triumphant on finals day. And we were second, so we finished runners-up. So. Yeah. Um, so what did, what did you make of it all there, Anthony, up there uh, in the posh seats in the com box? Was it, did Kent win it or did we lose it? 
Oh, a bit of both, I think. I mean, the, our death bowling is uh, it's, it's deathly. It's, it's dreadful. Um, we did it, you know, we did it twice, and we've got a whole lot of out-of-form batsmen. And once Kent had got 167 or whatever it was, 167, I didn't really fancy us to get it, unless, as I said on, I said on commentary, at least one, if not two, of the young batsmen really come off, you know, if, if Banter had got going or or, um, or Lamanby had, uh, had got going, I'd have, I'd have fancied it. I thought it was a mistake not to play James Hildreth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there was an argument for playing Steve Davis as well with a bit more experience. And, you know, we know that uh, Banton's out of form. Lamanby's have got have one innings in the entire summer. Goldsworthy isn't in any sort of form uh, at all at the moment. He bowled well. But he, 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 his mind looked completely scrambled. I mean, mm. that run in the, in the in the first game. I, I just thought, and and bowling Marcher Delanger for the last you know four overs straight off at the death against Hampshire, it it should have cost us the game. It, it didn't because of Ben Green's miraculous hitting and Josh Davey at, at the end. I never quite gave gave that game up. Mark Davis, who was summarising for me, <laughs> he, he gave <laughs> it up from about the third over. <laughs> he said, there's no way we're going to win. It's impossible. I said, it, it's never impossible until it's mathematically impossible. And it's not impossible yet. And it wasn't impossible. And we did it. But, um, you know, lightning doesn't strike doesn't strike twice. And, and the death bowling in the in the Kent game in the final was just as bad as it had been in the um, in the Hampshire game, and you know until until we get some bowlers who can who can bowl at, at the death, who can offer a bit of variation. Uh, I, I mean, March of July, I just don't know what he was. He hardly even tried to bowl. You know, which is what he be, which is what he was hired to do. You, you remember that game when we played Glamorgan uh, a few years ago when. Mm-hmm. when to have it done and dusted, and, and Petrie go could hardly lay a bat on Marston in, in the last over when I think we needed eight to win. But he was, he just, I don't know what was, what's the matter. I see he hasn't been picked for the squad for no, not in the squad for the four day game tomorrow. For the four day game, I mean, Lewis Gregory said afterwards to me, you know, he's been bowling really well at the death, and, and you know, I've I felt he could he could do a job for us at the death, but as I think it was it was either Steve or Dan who who said you you don't want a bowler at the death bowling four overs because the batsman will line him up, and that of course is ex- ex- exactly what happened. So, I uh, you know highs and lows. The um, <laughs> it was a fantastic moment when uh, when um, Josh Davy lofted it over the offside for the uh, for the winning four and. From as as Steve said, it, from the moment that Tom Banton was stumped, overbalancing, playing a defensive shot, I thought, "Oh no, here, here we go again." Mm-hmm. And uh, there you are, there you are. There, it it just came at the at the wrong time. We, you know, we haven't got the right bowling without Lewis Gregory. Um, we can't bowl at the death, and our batsmen are out of form. And I think that's about. The, the middle and end of it. Yeah, if you look at some of the dismissals in that final, um, some very strange ones. I mean, Roloff, Roloff and um, who else? Will Smead were both out uh, to full tosses. Lewis Gregory was out to a one in a million 
yeah. a piece of fielding from uh, Jordan Cox on the deep mid-wicket boundary. And then uh, Tom Lamanby was uh, absolutely sawn off by um, by Mike Burns, who a, a leg spinner that uh, didn't even hit him in line of leg stump and was uh, missing another set down the leg side. So it's it's difficult to kind of pinpoint exactly what went wrong but if if you know if that one that shot from Lewis had um you know probably another inch or two higher I don't think Cox would have been able to get to it if Burnsy had been to Specsavers that morning and not given Lammers out we you know from the, the Gloucester game and he got runs in the four day against Lancashire last week how what a destructive player he can be it just goes to show that T20 is just a game of such fine margins and we haven't even talked about the Daniel Bell Drummond touching the boundary touching Jordan Cox's legs was it a six was it out did you see a tweet today from the MCC they clarified that it, it should have been given out because yeah. even, even though Bell Drummond was touching the boundary he wasn't actively assisting the fielder in taking the catch so all these fine margins really make it seem a bit daft to me when the uh, the wobs and the cobs the um no sorry the hobs the hobs and the cobs what did i say the wobs of the, the cobs sorry the hobs and the cobs the hurry out brigade and the cur out brigade come jumping onto twitter after we've just lost in the final let's not forget mm. we haven't finished bottom of the group and not won a game we have just lost the final to as I've just alluded to, a few really, you know, sort of one in a million things that may not happen, that shouldn't ever happen again. I mean, Andy Hurry isn't telling the guys to hit full tosses straight down fielders' throats, so it just winds me up. It really mm. does wind me up. And mm. I did a did a piece on the site last week, and, and tongue-in-cheek, but I bet there are people, I said he's, a, he's responsible for the roadworks at Creech Castle and for the scoreboard packing up mm. on Tuesday morning as well. It's got to that level of I'll say silliness, but it, it's mm-hmm. it's like it, you know it, it's bi- it's bias, isn't it? And you've got confirmation bias. If if you believe, you know, you'll know Ian. How many people wanted Wenger at Arsenal for yeah. years and years and years? And I used to say to people, oh, "I'm not an Arsenal fan, but just be careful what you wish for." Mm-hmm. You know, and it's that it's that confirmation bias. If something goes wrong, if the coach breaks down on the way to Edgbaston tomorrow. That'll be Andy Hurry's fault or Jason Kerr's fault. And please, I'm not saying for one minute they've got everything right because I think whoever picked the side for the final made mistakes. I think there was, you know, we've alluded to them on here. There, it's not. I'm not saying they're a hundred percent. But we've said on this podcast many times when we've tried to pick a side. Whoa, it's difficult. Yeah. yeah? Doesn't matter with us. We pick our teams. You know, we wanted Will Smead in the side, so we don't know whether Will Smead got naught or a hundred against Lancashire because it never happened. Um, we all make mistakes in our jobs, and I look at it from the day Andy Hurry joined Somerset and what we have achieved. That you know, the fact that people are saying on Twitter, "Oh, Somerset have got a sense sense of entitlement." People are actually saying it's nice to see the biggest county in the country not win anything again, and that made me so happy. And an awful lot is down to the likes of Andy Nash and Andy Harry and people like that. And it may, in, in time, it will be time for him to move on like everyone. But it, like you, Ian, I'm totally with you. It really, you know, what what is the point of going on Twitter and saying it? You know, 
I mean, presumably, I just don't... if we're sacking Andy Hurry, then all the other 17 counties are sack, sacking their docs and head coaches as well. Yep. That, apart from Kevin. And then, and then when we don't win anything next year or the year after, the self same people will be saying, oh, I thought Hurry was great, shouldn't have got rid of Hurry. That's the way it is, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and the guy deserves an awful lot of credit. And some, somebody said, um, I think it was Kevin House because he played your interview, Anthony, on Tuesday afternoon when I was driving back up. We were interviewing with Sarge after the game. And Kevin House said, you know, Anthony Gibbs, BBC Summers, Anthony Gibson really giving Andy Herry a, a pretty thorough examination there. I suspect Andy Herry, as a former Royal Marine, has faced some pretty <laughs> more scary situations in his life, with all due respect to Anthony. And I mean, that's the great thing. I suspect Andy Herry doesn't even look at it, doesn't care about it at all Who's... But he's a man he's a man who really does care in my opinion what did you think Anthony because he looked he looked shot to pieces on Tuesday doing that post-match he was getting quite emotional I thought he was going to burst into tears almost yeah at, at one stage I asked him the last question about what it meant to him personally but he, he never actually answered the question which was you know the question I asked him twice which is what's gone wrong with your team and you know, he didn't read. All he said was, "Well, you know, I stand by them. They're, you know, they're good cricketers, and they, they will come good." Well, yeah, they will. But you know, we haven't won a first-class game of cricket since May the ninth, or May the tenth. Well, I think it was May the tenth, wasn't it? Down at the mm. NGS. Uh, and all the batsmen seem to be out of form. Um, and I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a coach, and I can't criticise coaches. So I'm, you know, but re the results do rather speak for themselves. With with the number of, you know, if you look at Lambie's uh, average in first class cricket, um, for example, or Tom Banton's average in in T20 cricket, it's, you know, it is it is really really worrying. And it's been a pretty dreadful month. It's been the worst month in Somerset cricket that I can rem remember, you know, it's, or I, we, you know, we beat Hampshire by some sort of miracle in the semi-final of the, of, of the blast, but that apart, and, and of course we beat, we beat uh, Lancashire um, back at, um, back at the end of August, but it's, it's, you know, it's been very, very poor. And I think people are entitled to ask questions. I don't think they're entitled to call Brandy Hurry to be sacked or Jason Kerr to be sacked or anything like that. But I think, I think the, the, the supporters do, you know, deserve a, an explanation mm -hmm. as what has gone wrong, what what the what the diagnosis, you know, what what the diagnosis is and what the prognosis is. What's gone wrong and what are we going to do about it? There was, if I was doing, it was going in the dressing room tomorrow morning. I would take. I've just read the, the Guardian's preview of the last round of the championship, and it says Warwickshire have the, the plum draw, the huge advantage, as they are playing Somerset. And like I said when I read the bit, some people saying about, oh, you know, the, the best county team in the country are having a dreadful time, tee-hee-hee. It's great to see it. Yeah, you can, tell, you Vic, see you can that, tell Vic Marks has retired from the Guardian. Now the, the standards yes. have obviously dropped. But you can you can understand what they're saying, and that's the sort of you you blow that up to A three, and you stick it on the wall with the highlights around it, and you make sure every single player walks in and sees that. You know, but it's all very well saying you know we're professional cricketers, we're used to winning games, 
we're doing everything right in the dressing room something's got to happen and I, i've sort of got a theory forming in my head about where the issue is but i don't i think it would be wrong to say it at the moment but all i'll say is that the evidence of saturday indicates to me that there is some muddled thinking going on right at the heart of the dressing room at the moment mm-hmm. you know dan said about lewis goldsworthy just you know yeah that that run out that was... runs in, and i think that's i think there's a lot of scrambled brains and uh, probably they will be very glad to get out of edgbaston at the end of this week i would imagine I mean, that would be would have been another case of playing Hildy because he's got that finals day experience. I mean, he's hit the winning runs in for the last two trophies that we won, for goodness sake. So, you know, mm. he's, he's a big game player. He's got the experience. I know. He's been I was in- astonished he wasn't playing, even after us saying on here, you know, maybe he shouldn't play in the championship side. But can you imagine now saying to him tomorrow, oh, by the way, James, do you mind batting five again in the champo side today? You, you know, even for somebody, who, Hildreth, who's seen it all, done it all, he's going to go. Yeah, right. I'm not good enough for T20 final. That's a that's a big man management job if he's going to play tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, he's been in absolutely wretched form in the championship this year, but he has shone on the odd occasion um, in the white ball games. And I and I back him. Probably one out of those two games on finals, they t- to come off with a with a contribution. So that's what just made it even more even more. Um, Difficult to understand. The problem is he's he fell away in the T20. You know he he started well and he he peaked at that seventy two against Surrey at the Oval. Then he had a few failures and I think also it was difficult to see who he would have come in for in, initially. Anyway, initially I said mm. um, Lewis Gregory has to play. He is our best finisher. I mean he hasn't done much this season, but on his day he is our best finisher and he will score so quickly, probably quicker than any of our other players. So he must play. But now, when you see in hindsight, you know he wasn't fully fit. Clearly, you know he and he couldn't. You know, with the bat, you know the one big shot I think he played all day was the the, the Jordan Cox catch, you know, the ridiculous catch. So in hindsight, Gregory um, Hildreth probably should have played instead of Gregory, and I think Hildreth would have been incredibly useful in the final because on that on that kind of slower wicket, you know, with, you know with his experience and his know-how of playing spin, etc. So um, yeah. It, in hindsight, I think it's clear that Hildreth should have played. But initially, I was sort of either way because it was difficult to get everyone in, really, with everyone back. But, Dan, the Lewis Gregory thing's a real mystery, isn't it? Because clearly, you know, we've all we've all experienced it. You play a game of cricket and you stiffen up after playing. You know, even with all the ice baths and whatever technology they've got, Lewis Gregory, clearly, that layoff between the two games didn't do him any good at all. Absolutely none at all. And yet you look at the squad and he's in the side for the squad for tomorrow. Yeah, you I, think, I, I how is he going to stand fielding for four, you know, potentially fielding for a couple of days and then having to play long innings when he didn't seem, he didn't seem, you know, he, he was fielding like if I was fielding at mid-off there, the ball was going to him, was falling in a heap and letting go. And it's sad to see, but again, muddled thinking. What was the... Explain the thought process. And yeah, he's the leader. Yeah, but we've got Tom Abel. You know, mm. Tom Abel could have skipped that side in the final. Hildy could have come in. Uh, well, on at least yeah. one occasion on Sky, and maybe a, probably a couple more, Tom Abel was referred to as Somerset captain when he was batting. Mm. The captain's in. I think Rob Key probably said it. The captain's in. 
probably still remembering it from his commentary sent down at the ground on Tuesday. But I mean, he I still had that, his old notes, Ian. Yeah, I thought, but I kind of thought that as well in, when watching the Lancashire game that Tom played just a real captain's knock that day. I mean, he's, he's just naturally a captain, and and as you said, Steve, if you know Lewis is going to stiffen up. I mean, he did sub for Lewis. Well, not sub for him, but he went to Lewis's position at mid-off and ended up taking that that great catch to oh, get rid of um, oh, yeah, goodness, mate. running back. I mean, you know, he, should we talk about him? He had a he had a bloody good day. Finals day, mm-hmm. he runs in both games. Um, cut about Fielded superbly. Yeah, cut about standing catches as well. So, yeah, Abes can definitely come back with his uh, with his head held high from uh, from finals day. Uh, who else can we talk? What else can we talk about from finals day? The Joe Weatherly catch that wasn't. <laughs> that was so confusing in the ground. Like, yeah, it, it, my brother spotted it. My one of the Hampshire players, I think, as they were running, had their arms out. So obviously there was uh, something going because it sounds like Weatherly um, spotted. Weatherly, it. It was yeah, he did. Too many fielders outside the circle, so he just went for it. He, he, he saw it as a free hit, basically. But the umpires what? hadn't spotted him, so. The question is, you know, how well, the question that's raised yeah. is how often I've not spotted, you know. Um, but yeah, so I, it was the right decision. It sounds like Delanger fessed up, and it doesn't entirely surprise me that it was Delanger who um, made the error. To be honest, I thought I thought you, but you'd have spotted that, Dan. If there's one person that I'd have thought out of the entire world <laughs> that would have, apart from uh, Joe Weatherly, that would have spotted that, it would have been you. But yeah, you're right. It was it was confusing, and, and if Marchant had kept his mouth shut, then he probably would have got away with it. Because on mm. Sky, the only shot they had of it was was the drone shot from, you know, probably you know half a mile away or something, and you couldn't really make out who was in the circle and who was not in the circle. Um, God, it really sounds like we're bashing Marchant tonight, doesn't it? Should we move on? <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, that that six that came off the free hit probably should have gone on to uh, uh, to Marchant's figures and not Josh Davies, who again was another one who had a pretty good day. Um, four wickets in the first game, hit the winning runs, and what did he go for in the final? Well, he suffered in the death, one and he bowled one of the last. Yeah. yeah, he bowled really well up to there. He's probably not a death bowler. You know, Ben Green, Ben Green, and sorry, Dan Craig probably would have been my picks ahead of him at the end there. Yeah, I think it's a relevant point that Davy went for runs at the death, and I think didn't Craig go for a few in the death in the second he did, game? Yeah. I think it's a relevant point because people say we should have left out Delanger and it is a fair enough point but I think the flip side is that none of the other guys are really death bowlers they're, they're not they're not players who have the real death bowling skills Delanger does have it and while he didn't produce it on finals day he has produced it in this competition um, a few times um, from memory and also Gregory's produced it but unfortunately yeah, he wasn't available so there wasn't there weren't many options really for death bowling um, on the day Yeah that's a good point Dan because as you say Craig, Josh, who else won that final? Roloff, Lewis, Ben Green, and then Marchant. So Marchant's the only one who's really got any, I suppose, pedigree is the right word of death bowling. You know, Craig's role is generally to bowl three up top in the power play. Same with Josh, one or two in the power play and nip a few out. Green is to get, and then the others, you know, Roloff, Lewis, and Lewis Goldsworthy and Ben Green just to be shuffled around in, in the middle orders and just try and nip, you know, maybe nip one or two out if they can. Um, it was interesting, Ian, because um, I know Dan's heard the interview as well. Will Smead was on the Kenji Cricket podcast last week, and he said lots of interesting things. But the thing he said was, 
at the start of the season, we as a side weren't clear of our roles in T20, but we are now. And I'd, I'd heard the interview on the Friday, and then I watched the finals day and was like, blimey, if they're clear of their roles now, I'd hate to see what it would be like if they weren't clear of their roles. Because that, to me, didn't seem... It, it didn't seem to me, if, if they played to the plan, it wasn't a very well-thought-out plan, is all I'm going to say. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what was the what was the business with uh, Roloff van der Merv batting three in the Hampshire game? And Lewis Goldsworthy coming in at three against Kent. I mean, it just didn't seem to make any sense at all. Well, remember, the original plan for this season was Roloff at three. He batted there in a couple of second 11 games, and then in the first T20, he batted at three. And he got a duck, and then he got injured. So he obviously then didn't play for ages, and the team had evolved since then, so he started backing down the order. Um so and I think a, he's not a three. Then. No, he's not. And but I think it's from the eleven that they picked. That's the problem. Hilgerf was the three, but from the eleven they picked, there was no one ideal to go up there. Abel likes four. I don't think I'd have Lamanby at three. You know, I did think you know Goldsworthy before the first game. I thought Goldsworthy. You know, I mean, he. I think he batted there once in the fifty over. Um, mm-hmm. So and uh, it was a surprise to see and then go up for the final. It's like you can't just. I don't like reading too much into one T20. You know, in T20, you've got to have a sample size and to say, oh, no, Roloff's not a number three based on one innings seemed a well, bit odd. Dan, when he, first, when he first came to Somerset and if he will let us finish talking about T20 on a good note, I went to a game Tunbridge Wells in either 2010 or 2011 yeah. when Keyswetter got out virtually straight away. We were chasing about 180 and Trez and Roloff batting at one and three absolutely creamed it. I think we won in about 14 or 15 hours. I haven't looked the game up, but it was just, that was a day joy to be alive in the Somerset shirt in the evening in Tunbridge Wells with a lot of very unhappy Kent fans. And we won by nine wickets, as I say, with oodles to spare. And at that point, Roloff was, his role in the side was pinch hit bat three. And when you consider your pinch hitting with Keyswetter and Triscothic at the other end, that's a that's a fair dose of pinch hitting. That is with Trigo to come in behind you as well. That's decent. Well, then why didn't he? Why? Why? Why didn't they bat him at number three in the in the final then? Mm. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. The right thing to do. And, you know, you should stick with it. I, I, I was there at Tunbridge Wells. And yeah, he batted brilliantly, but that, you know that was that was ten years ago. Ten years ago. Yep. I'm just trying to end on a positive for my mental well-being. Yeah, a positive I mean, I sp- note of Somerset playing Kent in a D20, guys. Please, can we move on, Chet? Can we? Well, I, I just just going back to Roloff. I think he's much more <laughs> effective down the order, out of the power play. When when the when the the field is is spread and you need to get your boundaries in on orthodox areas, that's when I think Roloff is is most effective. Ditto, you know, with um, Tom Lamaby against Gloucester. You know the the, foot, the backwards roll hook. He he loves playing that, and all his ramps and scoops, and Lord knows what else he plays. He's probably one of the best in the game at getting the ball to unorthodox areas, and I think he's much better off doing that at the back end of the innings rather than yeah. in the power play, where your more orthodox players can find the gaps a bit better. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely right. Rightio then. So. Um, a- little bit of an after the Lord Mayor's show feel to tomorrow's championship game um, back at Edgbaston um, I mean the, the squad has been named it's only a 13 man squad uh, 
for my money, it's probably going to be uh, Lewis Gregory and probably Roloff to miss out. I'd have thought. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, consolatory <laughs> thought is that we've we've won the last two times. Uh, well, no, we didn't actually win in in twenty twenty. Um, we should have won in. Mm-hmm. We would have won in twenty twenty, but for the rain, and we beat them. Very well in 2019. Yes, that was a four. very good win. Yeah, they scored 419, I think, in in the first innings. And we were we were bowled with um, we were bowled out just over 300. Well, they were replying. No, no, that's right. Yeah, no, they batted first, definitely. They batted first, yeah. And uh, then we bowled them out for 146, and then knocked off 260 or to to win in the in the fourth mm-hmm. innings. And Stephen Davis scored a hundred in that game and a hundred last season. That was when it uh, we couldn't get on the pitch because of the puddles on yeah, that fourth yeah. evening. No, Ned Lane. You can also guarantee that we'll be playing so far over to one side of the ground <laughs> that it will be shorter than most village boundaries on one side. I imagine. Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, no Ned Leonard. No old Ned Leonard in the squad tomorrow, which I'm a little bit disappointed with because I thought he did. Well enough last week against Lancashire uh, to warrant another go. Um, obviously, the powers that be uh, don't see it that way. Uh, would you have had him in the squad, guys? No, yeah. not, with, not with Craig Overton coming back. I think at least in the squad I would have had him. But, but yeah, with Craig and Josh coming back, um, I wouldn't necessarily have played him. I'd have liked to see Sonny Baker. I said that last week. I think he would have been a good, good pick. Yeah, me too. If his body was ready, yeah. I mean, if I don't. Yeah, me too. He's, he's played a lot. He's played a lot of cricket, a lot of ten-over spells for the England under-19s. But I watched a bit of that game from that county that I won't mention again this evening, and he looked really sharp. He was he was quick and hostile, Sonny Baker. And the three of them had a great tournament, didn't they? Um, Rue and um, George Thomas were opening a couple of times. Um, Rue seems to have been like the man. In the, in the England under nineteen selectors, so mm-hmm. that's that's really encouraging as well. That I think we've got three really, really good youngsters all coming through at the same time. So, yeah, it's an eighteen player squad as well, and they all three of them played most of the games. I think Thomas mm. one or two, but the other two played all of them. I think so. That's you know, yeah, really a very. They gave Rue a, a race from keeping, didn't they, in the last game? But he played and kept and batted like two or three most of the games as well. So, yeah. Roll on April. <laughs> okay, just I'm just having a little look through the listeners' questions. We want to try and wrap it up in a minute, so we might have to uh, uh, to miss a few. Just a point um, we got into a quick discussion about that. I did have a listen to the the County Cricket Podcast, and 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 Will Smead's kind of mental state is that he's not technically ready for first class cricket yet. Um, he that was more or less what he said, wasn't it? He wants to go away over the winter. And just tighten up on his technique for red ball cricket. So, <clears throat> as much as we like to see him up at Edgbaston tomorrow in the side, I think he's probably, if he's thinking that he's not ready, it will probably be a mistake to to chuck him in. So, uh, um. the other thing, Ian, very quickly, and I was on time, was um, he said in that interview he referred several times to Greg Kennis as his batting coach. He did. Yeah, I I've heard been that. working on those things with Greg Kennis this year, which again. Leaves us to wonder if JT is not working with the first because his role is to develop the seconds, where that mm. lies. But 
just just because I like mm. being Machiavellian, I'll leave that there. <laughs> ah, right, where are we go then. Um, I think we've probably covered most of these. Uh, Mark Windsor, players out of contract we could bring in like Northeast or Libby. I know you'd love to see Libby there, but hasn't he signed another contract, Dan? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Simon Hancock, we talked about taking Hildreth out of number three and then try and roll off Ern Lewis in there. Uh, Harry had a good question. Harry, where's Harry? <coughs> oh, well, um, <coughs> Gloucester, 99 to 2004, won six trophies. Yes, compare and contrast, it. the talent we have yet repeatedly fails to convert when it really counts. Why? So that side, um, you probably had Jack Russell still keeping wicket towards the end of his career, maybe. Was Russell still there in 99? Just about, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Mark Who else Alain. did you have? Oh. Yeah. Mark yeah. Elaine, Ian Harvey, yeah. Mike Smith. Oh, yeah. Little, Little irritating trunk. left arm, medium pacer. Yeah. I. Bloody good cricketer. Mm. Yeah. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? They were a team. That team where the whole was far greater than the sum of their parts. Yeah, I think Mark Elaine had to do with that. He was a brilliant captain. Mm. And I think as well, the one day game has possibly moved on since then as well. So the likes of, I mean, you don't see bowlers like Ian Harvey much anymore in T Twenty cricket, do you? No. The you know no. the the. Um, Benny ben Howell isn't isn't a million miles away from from uh, Harvey. Oh, true. Or the guy who plays for for Worcester, whatever his name is. Oh, yeah, I know who you mean. Young lad, tall, lanky. Not Pat Brown. Pat Brown. Pat Brown. Um, yeah. yeah, he's a bit. Quick. I mean, he was a bit. He's a bit quicker than Ian Harvey, isn't he? He's... Well, he can he can he can bowl it from you know sixty miles an hour up to probably low eighties. He's got all the variations. Ian Harvey had all the variations. He could he could bowl quite quick when he wanted to. That's what we don't have. I suppose they're all exper they're all experienced cricketers though at that time, aren't they? You... Oh yeah, they were they were very much the back half of their careers that side. And they made, you know, but again. Like aforementioned South East County, they didn't really feature in Red Bull at all. They were great in White Bull. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things, you know, when you are trying to be successful in all the different formats, it's really tough. It yeah. really is tough, you know. And we're, we're seeing increasingly the likes of North Hans, especially, in my mind anyway, North Hans seem to put all their eggs in the White Bull basket mm -hmm. now. And whatever happens in the Red Bull's a bit of a, well, it happens. And That's I think exactly. that will. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. will, that will continue. I mean, Sussex are probably the best white ball side in the country, and they're one of the worst red ball sides in the country. Yeah, just going back it's to the ages. So. Yeah, just go back to the hurry out brigade and the Kerr out brigade. If you imagine those two are sat in Gordon Holland's office, February March this year, and they're going through their plans for the season. Now, if they if if you'd have said T20 final, win our group in the championship and get into the top division, do you think that Gordon Hollins would have looked at the way whoever would do it, the committee, whoever, would have looked at that and gone, okay, we'll have that as an acceptable 
return for the 2021 season. Yeah, they would, but yeah. but mm. not just get through to the top group in the county championship. It's having got through to the county championship top group to then challenge for the yeah. county championship, which yeah. we haven't done. Mm. And you know, we've been four, we've been second and four out of the last five seasons. We're going to be sixth this year. So that you know, that's that's not really very good. And all right, you know, we've had Overton with England and Gregory Injured and all the rest of it, but there isn't the strength in depth, particularly in the bowling, that we need to have if we are going to continue to be regarded as one of the best, one of the strongest county sides in the country. Yeah, totally agree with that. I uh, don't think there's many more questions that we haven't already discussed. Um you know, you can go and nominate your uh, or vote for your supporters player of the year on the Somerset website. Uh, as of today, that got released. the uh, The annual dinner is going to be on the second of October. Uh, further details of that to be uh, uh, to be released. Uh, what else have we got? I think that's probably. Uh, I don't think you'll know Mike Unwin's uh, question. The answer to Mike Unwin's question off I the did, top actually. of your head. Oh, off the top of your head, of course no, you do. Not, I, off, to, not you. top of my head. I use this new Ask Quick Info thing. It's quite useful. Um, it's not perfect yet, but it's, you basically can type in a question about. It's, it's only for T20 cricket at the moment. You can type in a question about sort of all T20s, and um, you get the answer. I mean, previously there was Stats Guru, but that was for international matches. Um, but this is for all T20 cricket. So, according to this Ask Quick Info. The average runs per over for the last four overs in T20 cricket is nine. Um, and that is worldwide and in the blast, it's pretty much the same. It's about nine. So um, 50 was a lot more than the par. <laughs> the nine is what? Nine times four is 36. So that that's the par number of runs in the last four overs in the T20. Very, yeah, very good. Very word? good stat. Very good stat. Proven again that Somerset were below par. <laughs> Or above par, whichever way you want to look at look at it. Uh, I think that's it for tonight, gents. Unless we've got anything else to be uh, to be going on with. I just mentioned no, no, he had a brilliant well, century at Bristol. Oh, he was on final. Oh century. yeah. Oh, he's got 150 odd, didn't he? Yeah. Did yeah, and it's Western Storm won uh, won the match, so they finished sixth in the Rachel Hayfield Trophy with uh, three wins. Um, but yeah, hopefully another step close to her being on the Ashes tour or England A tour at least. Um, Oh, she won't be going to Pakistan. And, oh, it's a shame. Dan is much too modest to mention, but he actually got a shout out from the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Twitter account at the weekend for his, his diligent work for everything he's done to promote the competition. So well done, Dan. Well done, Dan. Yeah. yeah. Dan runs the Rachel Hayhoe Flint Twitter account. Well, I, 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 I said that I wasn't tweeting on finals day. That was, that was the tweet. I said apologies. Yeah. So I wasn't. Apologies for the lack of tweets because that was at Finals Day. That was, I wasn't praising myself. <laughs> yeah, that's no, no, like... no. They came back and mentioned you afterwards. Uh, who, who did? The Rachel Hayhoe Flint Twitter account. I'll find it and but, send but it that's to me. you. <laughs> no, no, that, it was me and Abby Slade who do the tweets. Yeah. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like me when I go into my Shep Twenty Three account and and like. Stuff that the Somerset Podcast account does just you know make myself feel a bit oh, more. Popular. I'll have to learn that trick yeah. with the Somerset North pod, uh, Twitter account. It <laughs> was me really pleased. I was really pleased for you, Dan. Shows what a no chance of getting TikTok, Anthony. If I can't even work out Twitter, it's completely unofficial. The Harry Flint account. So the ESB didn't didn't do one. Um, but I tweeted just before the Harry Flint trophy started, saying, "Why haven't you got one, ECB?" 
and Abby just went and made one and an unofficial one and she said oh, then she said to me oh I'm not, I mean, what have I let myself in for so I just offered like oh I could do some tweets as well and uh, it's really taken off oh well done Abby as well then I, I tip my cap to the pair of you thank you good stuff can you make a fake account for the women's hundred as well is there a separate account for the women's hundred as well yeah good. one account don't bother doing one don't want to promote that oh we made it nearly 45 minutes before our first mention of the 100 so on that note should we call it a night gents yeah thanks guys lovely job yeah. right thanks for your time everyone um we'll probably catch up sometime after the uh conclusion of the championship game up at edgbaston this week and then i think we'll probably have a few days off and then we'll kick on with the golden apples for 2021 Fantastic! i'm gonna to have to re-listen to that podcast from about a year ago to remember what the categories are we're going to, have to stick something in for the Raw London this year. So, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully can't wait. Hopefully, Excellent. keep that one to under three hours. All right, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you. Uh, we'll catch up with you next time. See you later, everyone. Cheers, all. Cheers, all. Cheers, guys. <laughs>